Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 141. So things are a little different this week. I'm actually in Halifax with Blaze. He had a conference uh, up here on the weekend of our anniversary. And so I pulled a Christine move and just decided to come with him, whether he liked it or not. So we are spending our anniversary up here in Halifax. And um, I'm basically spending all my time while he's at the conference souvenir shopping for M. So this week we are going to release a live episode for you. And we are releasing our episode from Atlanta, which was one of our favorite shows ever. We had a blast. They were fun. They were loud. And our stories were bonkers. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, We really like the recording and hope you guys will enjoy it. Otherwise, we will see you soon. I'm going to be back uh, in a couple days. And I will be definitely bringing some Canadian souvenirs with me. So next week, we'll probably be back on YouTube So it'll probably be the first time you guys can actually watch us do a little gift exchange. Um, So yeah, check in next week. We'll be back. All right, guys, big hugs from all the way in this very, very chilly part of North America. And I'll see you soon. Bye. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I think you're the loudest we've wow. had. Wow. It's really, our Gemini egos are being so oh. coddled right now. Hello, I'm gonna Atlanta. Careful. <laughs> uh, I, I was being really ginger with this. Ginger? Gingerly? I was being, whatever. 
you clearly like me before that sentence. So, um, last night I sucker punched myself in the face on stage. So, it was, it was a very and the good whole crowd went ooh. I've been thinking maybe I'm gonna start super gluing the mic beforehand just to kind of just it to was have a it happen again. Great moment for me. Anyway. I had to play it off really cool. I was like, oh, I did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. He looks really, really cool. Don't worry. Um, Whoa, hello. We're here. We made it. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. We have been waiting to come here for a very, very long time. So we're very stoked. We've been wondering why we haven't been booked in Atlanta for like probably a year and a half now. So So thank you. So finally. (laughs) Um, So this is not my first time here. I've been in love with Atlanta for a very long time. Wow. Uh, One of my first high school sweethearts lives in Atlanta now. She's not here, though, so it didn't work out. Um, (laughs) But I'm very excited to be here. We usually start with, like, an anecdote about what we've done so far while we're here, but we literally just landed, so I'm going to tell you a story about us in New Orleans instead. Sorry. But it's a good story. It's a good... (laughs) Yeah, calm down. I heard someone boo. We already gave you a compliment about being better Lest you forget we have anxiety. (laughs) No booing. Okay. We won't ever let them forget. So, uh, two quick stories. Well, they're not... Neither of them are quick because it's us. Um, But I... When I was in New Orleans, I was trying to be as touristy as possible. So, I went on a swamp tour. Yes. That was a big mistake. It was a... Well, it was a big mistake in a lot of ways. So <laughs> New Orleans on the swamp currently is 113 degrees with 100% humidity. That you can boo. Yeah. And uh, I got off the plane, though, and you guys really aren't that much better here. And it's I went fucking hot. <laughs> I went by myself because they were like, we're not doing that. And um, Correct. It was 8 in the morning. So, yeah, so I woke up early for this, too. And then I had to sit in a boat for two hours without any shade on the swamp. And it was, it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, at the end, I didn't know this. Had I known, they would probably don't tell you because I would have freaked out. But I was sitting in the back because I was like, oh, I'm going to you know, just ha- kind of hang out and be to myself. And next to me was a box the whole time. And at the end, they were like, we're going to do one last thing before we all... You can see where this is going. Before we all uh, get to the dock. And he opens up the box right next to me, and there's a little alligator. (laughs) And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) You're like, that has been a foot and a half for me for two hours. (laughs) And uh, in hindsight, it was moving around in the box, but I thought it was like the boat moving. And I was like, that's a funny little box making crazy sounds. And so he, uh, the the boat driver, or the tour guide, he... He was saying, okay, well, everyone on the boat has an opportunity to hold a little alligator. And I was like, hmm, I'll try on principle. You were like, I have an Instagram and I need content, so I guess. And you're going to see it on Instagram later, too. So I did it purely for the gram. And I also because everyone else had done it and I was last and I didn't want to look like like chicken so I was like okay I'll do it and uh there was one girl after me and both of us were truly doing it for Instagram and we were like I don't want to do it and she was like I don't want to do it but we're gonna do it and apparently the rule to hold an alligator a little baby alligator is like this big 
So you, you hold it, the bottom of its tail in one hand, and then the other, you, like, loop its neck. You, like, hold its neck so it's, it can't, like, thrash around, which is a terrible way to describe something you're about to hold. Yeah. And so they were like, make sure you do the loop, and you, you hold it tight. And I was like, okay. And so I held it, and I did not enjoy it, but the picture looks pretty dope. And, and then I was going <laughs> to... We looked at it, and Eva was like... Oh, he looks so happy. And I was like, oh, M, yeah, I guess. And then Eva was like, no, the alligator. <laughs> M doesn't look too thrilled. We were both nervously <laughs> smiling. We were, we were both unsure of the situation. And so I'm, I'm holding the alligator, and then the girl, uh, after me, I was like, okay, I'm going to hand it to you, but you know, don't forget, you got to loop it. You got to loop the neck. And so she's like, you I got it. You guys better write this it. down. This is quite an instruction manual. And so I was like, I'm going to pass it off. One, two, three, loop. Don't, there's got to be, there's got to be minimal unlooping because I don't need this thing <laughs> to, you know, be an alligator and get me. And so she's like, I got it. So I was, I was she made it sound like she was confident. So I felt kind of confident. And I was like, okay, it's all you. One, two, three, go. And she freaked out and I was unlooped. <laughs> Unlooped, and and the and the croc or the not the crocodile, the alligator. The alligator was hanging by its tail in my hand, and it was swaying, and it was scared, and I was scared, and the girl supposed to be holding it was scared, and it was trying to grab onto something because it was, thought it was going to fall, and so it grabbed my fucking face, <laughs> and I was like, this is just a nightmare grabbed onto me, tried to like catch itself and kind of fell and then caught itself on my leg. It was just, I'm the opposite of Steve Irwin. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and, and I ended up just staring at her the whole time. Like you did this to me. <laughs> you did this. You know what you did. So she figured out the loop like 10 minutes later. And that's my croc, my alligator story. <laughs> I, it was awful. And then the second story we'll, we will share is a, an actual, very creepy ghost story that happened to us. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry in advance. Well, you get to hear it early because we definitely talked about it on the episode that's coming out Sunday. Oops. We literally just recorded the intro in our hotel room. Um, yeah. But fun fact. Fun fact. Who taught you that? <laughs> um, we had this... We were in, uh, I thought it would be cute to book the most haunted hotel in New Orleans. Um, and not tell us, me and Eva, we just show up and we're like, what is this place? And, and there's like, a, a whole orphanage died here. <laughs> you literally walk in and there's this huge, beautiful plaque and it's like the nun section, the soldier section, and the children's section of all the different ghosts. And then they're like, the sixth floor is the most haunted. And I was like, great, we're 604 and 606, so... We're going to have a great time. Yep. Uh, and there was a ghost child in my room. And I, I don't usually experience this kind of stuff. Uh, it was terrible and very scary. So we, have, we don't have a lot of ghost equipment. But I was like, you know what? We're going to New Orleans, which is allegedly one of the most haunted places. And then we're going to Georgia, which is also one of the most haunted places. Let's just bring some stuff. And so we brought an EMF detector and a spirit box. The, if you've ever watched Zach Bagel Bites, it's when... It's the one that's just the worst sound on earth and just goes like... And then you hear a voice go like, hello, then, you know. Yeah. 
No, you hear a voice go like, and he's like, did he just say he was the dead plantation owner? Did he just say bagel bites? So, so we brought those and, uh, it started, it started in here. Well, we each had individual rooms and all of us, the next time we saw each other was like, oh yeah, my room's on. There's not a doubt that it's not. What? Go, go. Your turn. My turn. Oh my God. You did this to me. Do the, tell the, tell the, the, the bathroom thing. Yeah. No, the, the door thing. And then the bathroom thing. Well, I was brushing my teeth and I heard this knocking noise and I was like, God damn it, Em. So I went, <laughs> sorry. I do have a history of knocking on the door and trying to scare her. Yeah. So it was fair for her to think that at first. So I look in the little people. There's nobody there. I'm like, it must've been another door. So I go back to brushing my teeth and then, uh, I hear another knocking and I'm like, that sounds like my door. So I like put my ear right to the door and it's like knocking like over and over and over. And so I like look in the peephole and no one's there. And I'm like, M is around the corner for sure. Just like standing there. But I was too chicken to open the door. So I like called them and I was like, get out of the hallway. <laughs> and you were like, I'm on the toilet. <laughs> I was like, I'm busy. Please stop calling me. And I was like, okay. So then you came over and you were, we were talking and somehow we got on the conversation of Linda, which obviously Always was happens. bound to happen. So here's the thing. When I was little and I was like, I had graduated in my mom's eyes to being able to use my own public stall. Where could this be going? Who's my, to say? My mom, what, she wanted me to be able to use my own stall, but she was afraid that I would like wander away and she was still in her stall and then I'd be lost. So she had the idea of whenever we go to the bathroom, I need you to sing. That way I can always, I can always know you're in the bathroom and I don't lose you. So like, think like Boo from Monsters, Inc. Legitimately. That one. That was me. And so I was telling Christine, like, oh, yeah, my mom used to make me sing whenever I was on the toilet. <laughs> oh, and yeah. So and then Em was like, hold on, I have to pee. And I was like, okay, well, keep singing. If I don't, like, if I hear you stop singing, I'm going to call 911. <laughs> ha ha. And then so Em goes into the bathroom, and I'm just, like, sitting on my phone. And all of a sudden, within seconds of Em closing the door, this music just starts blaring in my room. And it was so loud. And I was like frozen and I was like M tell me you hear that and you were and like I'm on the toilet like I hear that what's going on <laughs> this always seems to happen when you're on the toilet which yeah uh and so I was like I don't know where that's coming from maybe it's the alarm and so I looked and my iPad which I hadn't used at all was just blaring this song I've never heard before by some creepy band the album was called like a door the, through the door or something a door behind the door yeah or something. oh god and it was like, all that we see is all that we know. And I was like, I don't like this. It was really weird. And it was like, it was on Apple Music and you didn't even yeah. have an account. I opened so Apple Music and it was like, you can't play this because you don't have an account. And I was like, well, someone's fucking playing it. Yeah. I don't know. It's not me. So, so then the, M comes out and I was like, that's so weird. And I was like, well, you did tell me to keep singing. And like, I wasn't. So someone finished the song for me. Um, so then I was like, well, let's just, let's just get out the EMF detector just to see what happens. The good idea, right? In my hotel room, by the way. Yeah, I only suggested that because I was not in my room. Yeah. And, uh, and so then we started asking questions. The night before, we had actually, like, messed around with the spirit box, and we got the name Michael. And we hadn't put it together in our minds yet, but um, we figured out that it's a 12-year-old boy. We later asked if his name was Michael, and it was the same person in my room across the hall. Said yes. Um, uh, he really likes the Flintstones. That's a whole thing. 
we found that out because we were like, well, if he's a 12-year-old boy, let's, like, put on a, a TV show he'll like. And I we was were... like, Peppa Pig? And Emma was like, no. <laughs> I tried to go with something timeless, so we did Flintstones, and then all, of a su- all the machines stopped doing anything, and we assumed he left the room. Uh-huh. And when we turned the Flintstones off, all of a sudden the meter started going crazy, like, give me back my TV. And then it occurred to us, like, we just, like, put cartoons on for a child and then expected him to, like, continue talking to us. Yeah, he was just in a daze like any alive child and with then TV. We, and then we turned it off and he threw a tantrum. <laughs> he threw a tantrum. I've, but at one point, I, you know... He, my YouTube channel is all messed up, though, by the way. It's just, like, all old episodes of the Flintstones. <laughs> At one point, I was like, Christine, we would make good parents. Cause, and Christine was like, because we let a ghost watch the Flintstones? What's wrong with you? What is your standard of parenting? But so the next day, we decided to ask more questions. And then I asked, like, oh, did you sleep in the room with us last night? And it said yes. And then I said, did you sleep in Christine's room the night before when I was she was here? alone. And it said yes. And then uh, we tried to take pictures with it. Him. Wow, that was fucking rude. Yeah, wow. Um, Ouch. And that I mean, was it. Part of it is like, there was a 12-year-old boy in my room, right? And I was like, I can't tell if he's here or not. But I do have to take a shower. So like, what, do we, what is the protocol here? It's a risky little game. Yeah. So I was like, guys, what do I do? And Eva's like, just put on the Flintstones. And I was like, uh-huh, okay. So... My room was really weird. I feel like our neighbors were like, what the fuck is happening in there? When we were using the meters, we wanted to try to balance it um, so we could see it from the other side of the room. And we just happened to balance them on all of Christine's bras. And so I was like, this is a 12-year-old boy's dream. Third love bras Flintstones are, and bras. Third love bras are very sturdy, so they make a good... <laughs> Promo code drink. Um, yeah, so we were like, oh, dear God. We've, we realized we've... Uh, Maybe we're not the best parents like we we're, thought we were. We're just nervous that he's followed us. So if anything happens during the show, it's, oh, yeah. and then we'll last just blame night, Michael. We were talking, and I was talking about him. The mic just went out, and I was like, oh, dear God, he's here. So we'll see. So if anything happens, let's just blame Michael. Okay, great. Okay. We usually blame Eva, so she's probably in the clear today. Let yeah. Eva take a break tonight. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So, who wants a ghost story? 
do. Good. Yeah. I always think it's funny that people cheer for the thing I, I literally am here for. Like, what if I, this is the one thing I needed to be prepared with. If I came on stage and I was like, listen, I don't, I don't have that today. Okay. I want to, I want to kind of apologize. What? Real quick. I don't like where this is going. Okay. A lot of you were very wonderful on Twitter when I said, please send me stories. Thank you. Okay. Uh, those two people sent, sent in stories. <laughs> those two tweeted me. They That's did great. great. Great job. And uh, the stories were really, really good, but they were like kind of short, and I wanted to make sure I gave you like a really like meaty story. And so I, I hope you can forgive me, but I promise it's worth it. I'm doing a story from Savannah, not Atlanta. Okay. I love Savannah. Great. All right. So, it's so haunted. I, it's uh, holy shit haunted, yeah. So, with that, uh, I'm covering the story of the Moon River Brewing Company. What's that? It's bananas. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Also, you guys, like, I, I kind of am, like assumed this would happen because of how haunted this entire state is, but... Uh, sometimes with the stories, it's mainly like history, and then I just tell a couple ghost stories. But this is more notes than I usually have, and it's basically all ghosts. Oh, so, <laughs> oh boy, it's great! I'm so, excited. I'll try to get through the history as much as I love your history lessons. <laughs> yeah. Listen, either you. What do we say last time? Like the Civil War was in like. God damn it! Don't 1945. Say that. Not in Georgia. Don't say that. It was a long time ago. Let's just call it that. Um, so the Moon River Brewing Company. It uh, has been on several TV shows and many books and many magazines. Some of the TV shows have been America's Most Haunted Places, PBS Southern Haunts, um, Ghost Hunters. That's on the Sci-Fi Network, which my dad lovingly calls Siffy. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Bagel Bites, Ghost Adventures. Don't do that. Which we will get to. Don't worry. That was marathoning in my hotel room earlier. I was Did like, you watch the episode? Which episode? This, this one? No. Okay, good. Good, good, good. I don't think so. I just mean like the show was on for tw- the next 12 hours. So That's prime time right there. We'll That's have a- something to do later. So uh, we don't know what the original building was that was on the property because it was destroyed in the Great Fire of 1820, which apparently... I yeah. know, fire. Doesn't sound very great, but okay. Well, it apparently was really gnarly. It destroyed uh, nearly every major building in town. Oh, my with God. Up to 400 or over 400 structures, which is basically two-thirds of Savannah. Oh, dear God. Okay. At the time. So uh, in 1821, a new building was commissioned by Jane and Eliezer Early. Okay. Sure. And uh, it became the City Hotel. So uh, the city hotel was used by the wealthy and powerful, and it was a hot spot for gamblers and violence between locals and tourists. Fun. Ooh, ah. <laughs> uh, it was the, oh, I forgot to write, usually when there's a fun fact coming, I write FF. I forgot to do that. You get a little but glimpse into our process. <laughs> Yeah, if you read these notes, you'd be like, what is going on? Because everything is like... One uh, time I left mine on stage, and this, uh, this girl came to the meet and greet and was like, I stole your notes off the stage. And I was like, you are like, not allowed to look at those. They are very embarrassing. It's like, I'm like talking to myself on them. Like a crazed person. Like a crazed person. Anyway. Uh, so, fun fact. The... All right. 
The City Hotel was the first hotel in Savannah, and it was home to Savannah's first branch of the U.S. Post Office and the U.S. Bank. Aw. Good to know. Okay. Uh, the second floor was where the ballroom was, and it was the, uh, it was the main, the major social venue in town. Um, the second floor was also where a local named James Stark was shot by the town doctor, uh, Philip Minnies. That doesn't check out. <laughs> How does that not check out? The doctor. Oh, okay. I thought I said something wrong. Whew, for a second, I was like, oh, no. No, that did happen. I don't know if you're saying anything wrong. I'm sure it's all right. No, the doctor shot him. I'll tell you how. Here's the story. Thank God I was wondering. In 1832, uh, James Stark and Philip Minnies, the doctor, uh, they were playing a game of quoits, which apparently is ring toss. Wait, that's fun. I know. I, I was very... Oh, fun fact. I was very into that. All right. Calm down, Em. So the doctor won... And Stark was a sore loser, and so he started talking trash in the bar and continued harassing the doctor for six more months over a ring toss game. Oh. Oh, dear. Uh, And so Stark said some pretty nasty things, including some very anti-Semitic things. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, So Dr. Minnies, he uh, wrote a letter to Stark asking for a formal apology. Very classy. (laughs) Keeping it between themselves and I all that. I love that. that. Uh, requesting a formal apology, but instead, Stark challenged him to an old-fashioned duel. What is wrong with these people? If you can't beat him at ring toss, you're not going to beat him in a duel. That is a really good point. That is a really good point. So apparently the rules at the time were the challenger will choose the time, the place, and the weapon, but the person being challenged can request changes to the terms until the two finally agree. So, uh, but Georgia law at the time did not allow duels, and so they decided to meet in South Carolina. (laughs) Oh, my God. They made it work. Okay. So, uh, Stark chose to use rifles, but Philip's rifle was apparently being, uh, was in the shop. (laughs) And so he asked to switch to pistols and also postpone until the following day. So the story kind of gets muddied here, but either Stark uh, never received the letter and didn't find out that information or just blindly ignored the information and decided, no, I'm not going to adhere to those rules. We're just going to do it now. So uh, he gets to the spot and Philip isn't there. And so he thinks that Philip bailed or got too scared. So uh, Stark ends up finding Philip on just in a random part of the world. They did not mention where. But they end up running into each other, and the next time they do, Stark shoots in the air and calls Philip a coward and just apparently really embarrasses Philip. Oh, that's pretty embarrassing, yeah. Well, then his friends are like, this guy has been on you for like a year at this point about this stupid ring toss game. Like, you've got to <laughs> do something. Now he's calling you a coward because you couldn't get there. So Philip gets really heated, and he ends up going to the hotel and finds Stark. When he gets to the hotel, he sees Stark coming down the stairs and shouts, I declare the James Jones Stark a coward, and shoots him. Uh, He shoots him through his side, somehow also goes through his heart, out of his scapula, and then the bullet embeds itself in the door. Oh, dear. And then, obviously, Stark dies. Okay. Oh. Oh, So that's the story of that. Okay. Okay. That got dark real quick. I was like, ring toss... Let's change it up. In 1851, this has nothing to do with the rest of the story, but I found this and I was like, I have to say it. Uh, 
1851, the City Hotel was bought by Peter Wiltberger, and after he renovated it, he wanted to make sure that he attracted new business and really marketed the place, and so he put on display two live lions. That has everything to do with the rest of the story. I really enjoyed that. It's very interesting. Some might call it an FF. Stop. I still have to tell my story later. <laughs> uh, also, in 1864, the hotel closed because apparently violence between uh, the locals and the tourists were becoming too much. This was also during the Civil War. So there apparently were northern people coming in and staying in the hotel, and then they were being told to get kicked out, and then if they refused not to, they would get beaten up. So it was just getting kind of wild, and the hotel was like, no, we're not going to do this. So then, after 1864, it became the River Battery Hospital for Confederate soldiers during the Civil War, and some say... Uh, the, ho the hospital was also used for, um, like, it was used for both northern and southern uh, soldiers. Mm -hmm. So there might have been even more deaths in the hospital because they were fighting each other. Oh, my God. Um, the building was also used as a hospital for patients with yellow fever. Apparently, hundreds of not just soldiers, but also children yeah, died on the upper floors. That seems to be a thing you guys do over here. Yellow fever? Yeah. I don't That's think anyone on purpose, but it does seem to be a common thread. It is like every plaque I read, I just see like the, the Y and the F, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. The Y and the F, yes. <laughs> so uh, since then, the building has been a lumber and coal warehouse, a storage space, and an office supply store. Um, in seven, or 1979, Hurricane David took the building's roof off. Uh-oh. And so they tried to renovate it, but uh, it ended up staying vacant for almost 20 years because no construction could ever get done, allegedly because of the ghosts. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> What's the next part of my story I coming don't know. up? So I'm going to say this wrong because I'm not from here, um, but... Don't worry, they'll correct you. I know. You'll all shout it at once, but I might not be able to hear it. Just warning you. So it stayed vacant for almost 20 years until 1995 when it was then bought by the Oglethorpe Brewery. Okay. I'm just going to do that later. Like, oh, I'm going to say this wrong and then say it right so everyone like, cheers. Like, puppy dog? Is that right? Did I say it right? Um, okay, Amazing. so the Oglethorpe Brewery. Uh, bought the place and tried, again, to begin major renovations, um, but the ghosts would not let them work. So that is all the history. Now we're just going to talk about ghosts. Great. So, it, it gets wild. Okay. So, employees tell visitors not to taunt the ghosts because uh, with all of the deaths, the violent deaths that have happened there, there is a very uh, likely chance that the ghosts will be violent to you. Oh, um, one of the bar owners named Gene Biko, he has said, quote, I have seen and experienced those that I don't understand and can't explain. Ooh, ah. Mm. Um, the other bar owner is apparently a little more skeptical, so I do want to, like, give the story both sides, but I'm going to listen when? to Gene here. I don't know. I'm trying to pretend I'm fair on this, but, <laughs> but it's a haunted place. At all. Uh, so Savannah, as you probably know, it has been ranked many times as the most haunted city in America. Um, and the, I don't know what that, that was a weird reaction. Cool. Um, and if that is correct, uh, and people say that the Moon River Brewing Company is the most haunted building in Savannah. Okay. If those two things are both right, then that means this is the most haunted building in the country. Okay. Wowza. Okay. 
So Moon River was not famous for its ghosts. I mean, it, they, people knew it was haunted, but it was not this famous for its ghosts until 2005 when uh, the SIFI network had, uh, <laughs> the, had a Ghost Hunters Halloween special. Apparently, they were the first people to document anything on camera, and that's when this just, like, blew up and became super haunted. Okay. Or well-known haunted. Um, so some of the experiences here. There is a police officer who saw a Union soldier from the torso up standing next to him. Good. Uh, during construction, these are all out of order. I don't care. Um, <laughs> during construction, tools go missing. Uh, workmen get pushed off ladders. Um, pretty much anything that can make the construction, like, go wrong happened. Mm. Um, there'd be ladders would just go missing. They would just decide, no, you can't work anymore. Nope. Nope. Um, across the hallway, employees have seen little girls walking by on the other end of the building. Nah. The, there's a pool table, and the balls roll around on their own and always go missing if you leave the room. <laughs> so you'll put them all out, and they'll all just be gone. What? <laughs> um, the oh, women have been scratched. Mm. Um, there are reports of something grabbing your neck and your face. It's that stupid alligator again. <laughs> That's all I can think about. <laughs> if, it's, if it's an alligator, I can confirm that happens sometimes. Uh, a visitor, You're projecting, that's all. <laughs> a uh, visitor looked like he... So, a story of this. Uh, a visitor looked like he actually walked through a spider web, according to a tour guide. Like looked like he was freaking out. And then he explained later that someone had a hold of his head, neck, and shoulders and would not let go. Oh, God. Firm pass. I would say I want my <laughs> money back on that tour. So, a bunch of people just drank for that. Maybe we should add it to the rules. Oh, when I said firm, firm pass? <laughs> Sure, if you want to get more drunk, go for it. All right. Uh, visitors have also been locked into bathroom stalls. They've also been locked in there until they are panicking and then scream, let me out, and then the door flies open on its own. Um, something likes to squeeze thighs. Oh. So, oh. beware. Oh, my. One girl at the bar, or one girl on a tour of the bar, um, asked why she saw a woman in Victorian, not Victorian, you know, just 1800s period costume, uh, asked why she was there, if they had hired someone to reenact during the tour, and they said, no, nobody like that should be here. And apparently she followed everyone on the tour, so oh she thought that it was part of it. Oh, dear. During uh, Oglethorpe Brewery's construction, the spirits tried to push the foreman's wife down the stairs. Oh. And succeeded. Oh. Yeah, you really uh, yeah, buried I, the lead there. Yeah. <laughs> I realized, I was like, it's more tragic than that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> There's a glowing white apparition seen um, on the upper floors of the restaurant. People have been slapped so hard that handprints are on them the next day. Oh, my God. Someone's laughing a little too loud at that. It was like a cackle, too, yeah. <laughs> it was like a, ah, finally. <laughs> uh, Stark has been uh, heard on EVPs uh, where he has given voices, laughter. People have heard his pistol and uh, rattling glasses. What? Like oh, glasses. I thought you meant these kind. I was no, like, no, no. I don't know what that is. Uh, just like the woman on the tour said, people have witnessed a woman in 1800s dress seen walking up and down the stairs. Sometimes she will stop on the stairs and stare at you. Super. P 
People have seen orbs, shadows, heard whispers, heard footsteps. They've seen objects break. Their equipment has failed on investigations. Temperature changes. The doors slam shut. Pretty much all the good stuff. And then uh, a woman has also been seen at the top of the stairs walking around as if she's lost. And so the manager will go up and say, do you need help? And she'll just vanish in front of you. Mm. Um, there have been strange mists caught on camera and someone lurking behind the pool table. Oh. Um, and they think that that could be Toby. So let's talk about Toby. Toby. That sounds a lot less ominous than a shadow lurking in the... Just wait. Okay. So... Spoke too soon. Um, people have had spirits follow them home, including an attachment of a poltergeist, uh, which may or may not be Toby. Um, he lives in the basement. Good start. He's the most famous ghost at the, uh, at the bar or at the brewing company. I don't know what it is. Is it a, bro- is it a bar? Brewery? Cool. It's a bar. Cool. People make and drink beer there and stuff. Cool. Um, so he apparently walks around the area of the pool table and he, uh, he is one of the people that apparently likes to steal the pool balls. Apparently he's also been very violent. Some might say he's demonic in nature and has caused partial possessions. He likes to attack people and has appeared as a black fog. Uh -uh. One of the operations managers named Chris has said, I've been sitting in my office before and had bottles thrown at me off the shelf. I've had shadows walking by me, and I've heard little kids playing that aren't really there. Apparently, he's also heard his name called when he's alone, and he's seen shadows standing right next to him. Good. Yay. Wait, tell me you're going to get to why his name is Toby. No, I don't have that for you. (laughs) You're like, he's a demonic shadow figure named Toby. I don't know who picked Toby, but it really makes you think you're safer than you are. (laughs) Uh, Very disarming. One uh, bartender named Chase said that uh, I watched a girl uh, walk through the back door and then walk up to the bar. She looked fuzzy at first but got clearer as she got closer, and then she seemed to fade out towards the arms and the legs. Mm. The girl looked like she was going to order a drink, and then all of a sudden she was gone. So the weird thing about this, I, uh, I got this quote from one place and then saw it in a video in another place. This bartender also said that it was a busy night on a Saturday and nobody else saw this except for another uh, bartender. So there are two people who confirmed that they saw it and they were both freaking out that apparently they saw someone that they thought was in reenactment attire walking up to them, but she was like, you could see through her limbs. And then she just, <laughs> and then she just went away. She was like, never mind. <laughs> um... Yeah, multiple people saw it, uh, so there's been multiple confirmations of that instance. I only saw this in one spot. This was on a paranormal blog by Lynn Sutherland Olson, uh, but I wanted to mention it because it sounded pretty cool. There was a former manager that actually went upstairs one day in one of the unused rooms and found an antique desk that nobody had ever put there before. Uh, What? And was not originally there. It was in a back room on the second floor, and only staff had access to that room, but none of them would have a reason to put that desk upstairs in their place of work, you know? There was no reason (laughs) for it to be there. Uh, The staff noticed that there was odd writing and symbols and backwards letters written in the dust. And so the manager was like, I'm going to write a message back. 
Was the manager you? Like, wh why on earth? I would not do that. Unless you said it was okay. Um, there it is. <laughs> so he tried to write something in the dust, but apparently the, the dust was so thick and sticky that it had hardened to the desk. What which, the fuck? Which makes you wonder how there was anything written in it to begin with. Or it was written and then like over time got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Thank, uh, thank you. Well, then they went back to see it again later, and weeks later, all the dust had vanished and it looked oh. like a perfectly clean desk. Nah. Um, but they never figured out where the desk was from? No. Did it stay there? They were just like, well, that's here now. Oh. <laughs> that is bizarre. Like, I'd, rather, I'd rather know less at this point. That's bizarre. There's a tour guy named Carl who has said that he has felt choked. He's felt... He's also felt like someone, quote, was pouring ice-cold water down his back. Mm. Great. Um, apparently, he then heard footsteps, and nobody was there. But, quote, it sounded like they walked right past me, and I felt a chill. So Carl had a bad day that day. Uh, classic Carl. I'm sorry. I heard, like, <laughs> classic. I heard, like, three people, whisp like, kind of be, like, whispering. It is a Carl with a K, just so we're clear. It just, like, carried through the audience. So Moon River did a paranormal giveaway at one point, like a contest. What? Uh, with what is that? Ghost Hunt Weekends. And the winner got their own investigation, a oh. behind-the-scenes tour, a private lunch with the investigators they would be uh, working with. They got to see off-limit areas, do photo ops, have a VIP lounge access. Uh, they would have a mixer with the investigators. They would get merch and a year of discounts on future ghostly experiences that, oh, that the company held. Sounds like a blast. Yes. Uh, it's over now, though, so <laughs> someone else enjoyed it. Um, but there is a special event that is held sometimes called The Haunting, which apparently is a private tour of the second floor where you can explore the back area that's usually off-limits to tours. They give informal seances, which I don't know about that. Informal? I'd prefer it as professionally done yes. as possible. Pull out all the stops, please. Yeah. Yes. But I don't want someone being like, that's kind of what you're supposed to Just do. Like, Who knows what will happen if you fuck up? Casual last minute seance. No, right. thanks. Um, that's us in my room propping it on the, that's my bras. That's us with the EMF detector last night. Yeah. Uh-oh. Anyway. Uh-oh. Apparently, um, on the haunting events, guides will also hand out stones and put guests in a salt circle to protect you. So you get, like, the full experience, but an informal one. All right. Naturally. Uh, you also can have no cameras or lights on. You have to sign a liability waiver. Uh, that's never good. For the mystere, yes. Yes. So we all know and love BuzzFeed Unsolved. So they yeah, went there. And uh, they, the only things that they got were that they heard a whisper, they heard clear male voices, and then, oh, where'd I go? There you are. And then uh, during a spirit box session, they said, use this device to talk to us, and they got the response, never. Which <laughs> is ironic. But okay. I love that. So, Don't uh, tell me what to do. So that's this a, is only a casual seance. It's just, a, it's just an informal investigation. You're not the boss of me. So uh, I watched that first, and I was like, oh, it doesn't sound like there was really anything going on. That's kind of weird. And then I watched Ghost Adventures. Well. Well, you well. know. So there's two, there's two experiences that I will tell you about. I'll tell you the bu I told you the BuzzFeed Unsolved, and now I'll tell you the Ghost Adventures, and I bet the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, 
So usually I try to give like a syn- like a quick synopsis of Ghost Adventures, but this episode no. I I kind of have to tell you the whole episode because no. it's I'll do it like with like with entertainment value, so you're not just bored out of your mind. But you need to hear some of this shit because it's pretty cool. Okay, immediately dun dun. That's the entertainment value you get. It's like cold open. It starts We're- with <laughs> cold open. Cuts to black. Okay, so. Uh, Please cut to black, and I'd be happy. Thank you. Zach Bagel Bites. He, he feels a jolt of electricity. At the exact same time that Nick sees a solid white apparition walk around the corner. Good. I'm going right into the... This isn't even the investigation, actually. This is when they're doing like the interview part, and then like sometimes every now and then something happens. But, like, stuff happened immediately as soon as they got there. So, jolts of electricity. Um, Nick sees something go around the corner, so Zach tries to follow it. He is, like, on another level in this episode. Because usually, usually he's acting rough and tough, and this one, he was, like, ready to, like, fuck someone up. He was like, who is it? So, he was like, he, like, got a new haircut or something or just came from the gym. He was feeling himself. New pair of acid wash jeans that really highlighted the, yeah. He was feeling really good. Yeah. So yeah. he was on top of it. He was just like literally sprinting around. And like, and the guy he's interviewing is like. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the guy he's interviewing is bar owner uh, Gene Biko, who did say like there's yeah. definitely stuff here. And in, in the show, he does. Bless you. Bless you. In the show, he does say like, like this guy's uncomfortable to be down there to begin with. He's like, this place is haunted in a way you do not know. Like, I don't want to fuck around with this. He even tells the camera operator at some point. He's like, I'm not going to tell Zach where he should be looking. If Zach's the real deal, he'll find it. Okay. His production team will figure it out. <laughs> I, I have a hunch. She told the camera operator and the camera operator went, Psst, Zach. <laughs> um, so he's like, okay, I'm not going to tell him. He's clearly like, he's sensing something. He's on the prowl. We're going to let him do his thing. He's on the prowl. Yeah. So, uh, he ended up, I don't know how he did find the spot that apparently this guy was like keeping a secret. He was like, wow, you found the spot. And then had a, a sit down with him and was like, listen, when you came in here, I wasn't sure about you, <laughs> but you passed the test because oh. you found the fixed, the filled up tunnel. So there's there's a tunnel under the building. It's been totally patched up. You can't go through. But apparently this thing that Nick probably saw and then Zach was like harassing was (laughs) it led him to this tunnel. So uh, Zach is like, well, we should go find an open tunnel because apparently it's connected to this building. And apparently there are tunnels all throughout Savannah because during yellow fever, people thought that yellow fever was in the air. So they were using the tunnels to walk around. Oh dear God. So he was like, let's go find a tunnel. So then they find him literally hopping a fence and trespassing. And then... Checks out. If you can only watch one part of this episode, I hope it's this part. Because he (laughs) hops over it, finds what he thinks is the opening to a tunnel. It ends up being like a crawl space only. So it's like... It's blocked off pretty shallow in. But he's like, something's alive in here. And it's a cat. (laughs) Who hates him. Because he's very intuitive, though, to figure that out. (laughs) The second the cat saw him, the cat fucked him up. 
my. We're going to get sued. <laughs> I never said that was a good, bad, funny, Me awful neither. thing. Me neither. You guys said nothing. fucked up. I'm just saying the cat hates him. That's all. And the cat was like, and like, rah, like, got him. And then he looks over at Aaron and Nick and goes, did you get that? <laughs> I love Guys, that they kept that part in the show, too. Like, it's my favorite episode so far. Please go watch it. I'm sure it'll be on tonight, so you can come back to my room with this, <laughs> the EMF. So, oh, uh, where is this? Where's the cat? Oh, yeah, here. Okay. So, uh, later, he is having another interview, and then he has this other moment of realization where there's another hot spot that no one's told him about, but he knows he's got to go there. So, he's running all over the exact same part of the pl- house he was looking at earlier, finds another hot spot because the bar owner goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> He did it again. Ooh, he found it. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Uh, so apparently this was an area where Toby has been seen a lot. Oh, Toby. Forgot about him. And there's a woman there that uh, named Christina. Oh. Who has been attacked there. So they interviewed Christina. <laughs> they interviewed Christina and she said, I was coming down that hallway and when I got here, it was as if there was a physical presence on my neck, which threw me oh. back. Pushing me back, I was choking and coughing. I could not breathe. I'm going to stop complaining about that ghost child watching the Flintstones. This is so much worse. We had it pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. I am enjoying it fully. Thank you. In the same spot where Christina was attacked, there is a bartender who says, quote, I was standing at the bar, and all of a sudden, I see something come out of the wall. Mm. It creeped out, and then it just knelt down and stared at me for a good five minutes. Ew, it knelt down. There's something about when they, like, crouch or, like, crawl or kneel. Yeah. It's like, are you going to pounce or are you just there? Or Do I crouch now? What is this? Dance. Are you just, like, prepping for the ring toss? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking of other reasons to crouch and somehow that one. There's not many. <laughs> There's not. The bartender says, it was just this black, foggy, creepy thing. This was not a human by any means. This thing is evil. Oh, God. So, even though explicitly asked not to taunt the ghosts by the staff, Zach says, and I quote, well, we're going to rowdy them up. No bullshit. I'm just being honest with you. He has, like, cat scratches, like, across his face. He's just, he has a vendetta now. Yeah, he's just pissed. <laughs> uh, so, ten minutes into the lock-in, it, like, it's still light outside, and Zach is listing out the X cameras. So if, if you have watched the show, the X cameras are, whenever they find out what a hotspot is, they'll lie down a giant X on the ground so they know later when they're prepping all the equipment where to leave static night vision cameras oh. to, look at the, to look into the room all night while, and have it recording the entire time. So he was listing all the locations that they were going to put cameras. And while he was doing that, um, they heard a loud dragging sound directly above them. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So sprints upstairs. This is the most athletic I've ever seen anybody. He is just Olympic sprinting in the up jeans, the right? Like in the acid wash jeans. jeans. Yes, he's in the jeans. His gelled back hair almost yeah. has a breeze to it. No. Impossible. And he screams in oh. a way I've never heard him scream. Who's up here? I demand you to tell me who is up here now. Nothing happens. <laughs> so then he... Sits, uh, 
So then he sits down. I guess they were going to, like, refilm this. So he's trying to list them out again, uh, all of the cameras and where they're going to be placed. So he's going through the list, and then at the end he says, This time I wasn't interrupted, but I'm coming after you, and we're not scared. (laughs) So then they actually find some pretty creepy stuff. So uh, they hear some weird noises. They have an EVP session. They hear a disembodied laugh in real time, not just it being recorded and they heard it later. They heard the laugh as it was happening. Um, They investigate the stairwell. They all feel really icy cold. And then Zach stands on top of the stairs with his arms spread open and dares the ghost to push him. No. He goes, and then you hear an an EVP was later recorded of someone saying, don't do that. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. Even they're like, ugh. What (laughs) Do you think that was, like, one of the PA, like, the production assistants outside on a walkie-talkie, like, just hold it up to the, just tell him to please stop throwing himself down the stairs. Like, we'll call it a ghost, whatever it takes to get him off the stairs. It's not a good idea. So then he says, let's go, let's see it, do it. And then... Was that verbatim quote? Yeah. Okay. Want to make sure we give credit where credit is due. Yeah, quote, Zach Bagans. So, then there's another EVP saying, I don't want to. And then, later, <laughs> an EVP of a maniacal laugh. Kind of like the one over there earlier. Yeah. Uh-oh. Then there was, an, they did an Ovulus session, which if you have listened to me talk about this, I fucking love the Ovulus. It's the spirit box that sounds like Microsoft Sam. We need it. And so, um, they don't use it for really too much, but it, it was pretty accurate right away. Starting off very tame. Uh, they accidentally walk on top of a water bottle, or they come across a water bottle, and so Aaron goes, that's a water bottle. And then the obvious says, water. <laughs> what is happening? It's like and, a weird fever dream. Like, <laughs> that's a water bottle. And then the equipment all goes out for a second. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Okay. It really gets Zach in a little twist. So he decides... He's going to lift a ladder in the air. Good, good. And he leans it up against the wall and goes, we're going to (laughs) renovate. And then he's holding the ladder and he goes, Aaron, did you get that? (laughs) Aaron, start renovating. Oh, God. You guys, if you're, if you're like, why is this girl being such a bitch to Zach Baggins? He blocked me on Twitter one time. It's a whole thing. I'm just bitter. I'm just bitter. I promise. <laughs> one day, one day if we were to ever meet him in real life, we'll oh, have so much apologizing like, to do. We'll be like, it's just because of Twitter. It's a thing. I'm, a, I'm just a, I'm an accomplice. This like, is like seven years ago, and I'm still clearly holding a grudge. So... Anyway, he throws this ladder against the wall, sure. and then the ovulus says, remove. Ah. And then he says, remove what? And then the ovulus said, steps. Oh. Ladder. Forgot the word for ladder. It didn't know the word ladder. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. And then uh, Zach said, what if we don't? What are you going to do? Oh. And the ovulus said, yell. To yell! Which, <laughs> to which Zach was like, I don't give a shit about that. Go. Actually, he yell. was probably like, great. Yeah, yell. That would be... Well, then minutes later, they got an EVP of a man screaming. Oh, well. So... Uh, then this is the last part, but it's super juicy. At 3 a.m., uh, Nick feels hands on his back and orbs and, or sees orbs and unexplained footsteps at the same time in an empty room nearby on a camera that's filming. So, (laughs) okay. I was about to take a drink and I was like, I need to wait. (laughs) 
So, so they feel, he feels something on his hands, right? Then there's like more activity going on in a room nearby. Things are starting to pick up. It's literally 3 a.m., the witching hour. And then in the basement, they all see something run by, and they all feel cold enough that the, whoever's holding the camera in this shot is like freaking out. So you go on that fucking ride. <laughs> Wear your motion sick bracelets. They really work. And then both uh, Nick and Zach's cam- cameras fail, and Aaron's camera is the only one that's still working, and he catches an orb flying into the back of Nick's head, which oh. if you have watched Ghost Adventures, is usually a sign of an upcoming partial possession because the oh energy is going into your body. No. So, so let's talk about that. So, Great. So first, you would think, okay, so this thing has already set its eyes on, on Nick, going to possess Nick, and then it's like, maybe I won't piss anyone off, or maybe I won't bother anyone else. And then Zach opens his mouth and says, <laughs> and I quote, Toby, are you that little bitch that keeps... <laughs> <laughs> but it's stuff like that where I'm like, yeah, what the fuck is it's, wrong with this guy? To be fair, all of the cuss words are bleeped out, but I'm going to guess that I know what he's saying. <laughs> Toby, are you that little bitch that keeps attacking women here? Uh, then he, I think, I took this okay, part sir. out, but he said something about calling him, like, a little fuck. And then... Okay, And that's then says, fair. come over here and I'll just smack ya. I'll just smack ya. He says it twice. <laughs> so then Toby's like, oh yeah, I was going after Nick, but now I'm going after both of them. So... <laughs> So then Nick and Zach both feel incredible pain in the back of their heads, which is so tender they can't even touch their heads, and there are orbs nearby them caught on the camera. They hear knocking behind them, and then you can see Nick's energy totally change. Um, And then he begins staring at the camera and Zach very creepily. Zach goes, you look weird. And then... That's a water bottle. (laughs) This is a really good show, by the way. And yet we watch it, like, every night. (laughs) He says, snap out of it, turn around and face them. And then very shortly after, a foggy black shadow moves away from him, and Nick comes to, and it's clear that he had blacked out and doesn't remember anything. Nick then later on talks about the experience and says, I just started to fade away, just black out. All All I remember is voices in my head saying, kill them, kill them, kill them. What the fuck? So that's... Even if it's not true, I don't want to be around Nick in that basement. So, Valid point. So this is the last thing, and I thought this was just bananas, and I don't know why I didn't find it in any other article. But there is a website called savannahitc.com, and apparently they are their own paranormal team, investigative team, and they write about all their experiences. Are you, like, here? Are you a part of it? Are you here? No, I got excited. I heard, like, two specific woos. Okay, go look at their website and, and look at... If you want to listen to these, I'm about to uh, read out some EVPs that they got. If you want to listen to them, they are creepy. So it's savannahitc.com if you want to go look at them up later. Um, So apparently they created their own device where you can hear EVPs in real time, but not like Microsoft SAN. You can literally hear what you would hear. Oh. The EVP you would hear later where it's like kind of a weird whisper, you hear that in the moment that it's happening. And then they, you know, film their conversations and... They had some videos up, so I just want to read a couple that were super creepy. In the basement, I guess the investigator's name was David, and he was talking to a spirit named Holly, who I also did not know about anywhere else, but I guess they've figured out that one of the spirit's names is Holly. And the machine is saying in real time to him, David, help me. Hmm. And David says, is Holly here? 
And the machine says, yes, talk to Holly. What the hell? David says, Holly? And the machine goes, yes. (laughs) And then David says, I came to visit you. And the machine says, thank you. (laughs) Polite. And then David says, how many people died down here? And Holly says, 78. What? Wait, that's a very specific... Oh, And then he says, how many were children? And she says, 75. And then he says, 75? And she says, yes. This is like a tea party, but like really (laughs) awkward. Yes. Also, on the third floor, they uh, did another... They used that device again. And apparently, it's called an RT-EVP, a real-time electronic voice phenomenon. Ooh, ah. So, ah. on the third floor, they, they said, why does this room feel so sad? And the machine said, lots of children died here. Help us, David. What? That whole thing? That whole thing. And then David says, would you talk to me? And the spirits say, David, we've been talking for a while. <laughs> like, Our- Don't make me a fool. I'm dead, not stupid. Our tea party is over. Thank you. This is not good. Uh, I, don't, I don't enjoy that. So then he says, what happened? And the machine says, I died. <laughs> okay. And then David says, did you touch me? And the machine says, the ghosts will harm you. Will harm you? Will harm you. Oh, no. I don't know if this was a nice ghost warning him about other ghosts. I don't know what the... I didn't get the context, but... He says... Uh, I mean, is, there's 75 children in that room, right. so... He says, is the little girl here? And the machine says, you know we are. What and the then, fuck? And then they got another EVP randomly of who they assume is Stark whispering the word coward. So, that is the story of the Moon River Brewing Company. Oh, my company. God! It's a lot. Holy shit. Thank you. That was a trip. It was bananas. Yeah. That was was a creepy one. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one, yes. It was very creepy. All right. Oh, oh my. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo, woo. I can't tell if you're cheering for M or me now. (laughs) You guys. All right. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes, to toys, to vibrators, to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. 
And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. I have a, a murder story for you. <laughs> Now, uh, unfortunately slash fortunately, bless you, unfortunately slash fortunately, um, I had a lot of options to choose from for this evening. So, yes, thank you. It's super great. Um, I found a story. So I was bummed because I had already done like the Axeman of New Orleans and all those kind of classic ones, but I found this story via somebody on Twitter um, and watched all sorts of creepy oxygen episodes about it. So, let's talk about it. This is the story of the murder of Sarah Ambrusco by her husband, Fred Tokars. So, I, uh, like I said, watched a couple episodes. Um, the one I used mostly was the show called Abusive Power on Oxygen, which is a very good show, actually. Um, and then uh, Atlanta Magazine. I found a couple of podcasts, which I was kind of excited about. Call, one was called Assassinations. And the other one, which maybe probably some of you have heard of, but I was very excited to discover it, is Southern Fried True Crime. I feel like I've like listened to it a little bit before a long time ago, but I kind of rediscovered it. I'm very happy about it. So... Um, wait, my sources, just so we're clear, because oh, I don't want to get sued either. We're Zach um, Baggins. We're yeah. Ghost Adventures and the first three pages of Google. Yeah. <laughs> don't sue us. Okay. Um, let's just go, because this is a trip, and there's a lot to tell you. Okay, Sarah Ambrusco. She was born in 1953, raised uh, as the middle of seven children in a traditional Catholic family in upstate New York. I promise we go to Atlanta later. Uh, in 1980, when she was 27, she was working as an elementary school teacher in Florida when she met her... Florida! Oh, my. Well, guess what happened there? It was great. She met her husband, a fitness instructor, on the beach. So, that's fun. 
That's real neat. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't even like totally relevant. I just was like, that's cool, I guess. I'm going to tell you about it. So uh, the two of them moved to Atlanta together, and Sarah began working um, in like the nightclub scene, but in marketing and public relations, which I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. In the 80s, that must have been a trip. Anyway, so she's really good at her job, but she's kind of like, okay, you know, I'm heading toward 30. I don't love this like fast paced nightlife scene, um, the drugs, alcohol. Uh, and she's like, I want to start a family. But unfortunately, less than a year into their marriage, Florida, uh, fitness guy and she divorced. Oh. Womp womp. Oops. And, uh, this was devas. Whoops. <laughs> This was very devastating because she was raised, like, in a very, very Catholic uh, household. And so she was like, shit, I fucked up. (laughs) But probably she didn't swear because of the Catholic thing. (laughs) Right. So she's 30 at this point. She's, like, very sad about her divorce. And she's like, I just really want to have kids and have a family. Um, And one night she's watching the local news when she sees somebody that she recognizes on TV. So, Florida man. <laughs> Good guess, though. <laughs> Florida fitness instructor. <laughs> no. uh, it's like his infomercial. It's like selling a CD. <laughs> no. Um, so, they, okay. Blah, 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 blah. So, she sees someone she recognizes, and uh, the guy's name is Fred Tokars. He's an up and coming prosecutor in Atlanta, kind of like a local hotshot. He's really young. Uh, like new on the scene and she's like why does this guy look familiar so it turns out the two of them had actually grown up together in Buffalo um, and although they weren't friends like at the time they had kind of had mutual friends they had a similar upbringing and so just like on a whim she calls him up and what's uh, his name Fred Tokars okay. okay and uh, they go on a date one thing leads to another and within the year they're married so that's kind of a cool like story Aww. for now and Round Sorry. two. Yeah. Sorry about it. Um, I guess get like all the really good emotions in now while you can, because it just gets worse. I hope you had fun laughing. Yes. It's over now. We've peaked right now. Okay. So this guy, Fred, he's sort of uh, like a hometown hero, moved to the big city. Um, his career as a prosecutor is taking off, and Sarah uh, is kind of taken by this whole like, good guy versus evil. He's putting people in jail and, you know, she just loves like the kind of hero thing he has going on. So Sarah sees this as a second chance and they get married and move to an affluent suburb of Atlanta called East Cobb, I think. Is that right? Great. And nobody from there is here. I both love it and hate it, depending on who is asking. We love it. We do? Okay. Super. It's fun to get screamed boo all the time. Yeah. It's super good. I thought we warned you, but okay. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, Sarah gets pregnant five months after their wedding and is thrilled. She's like, this is what I wanted. I want to have kids and have a family. She tells Fred, you know, I want to leave my like nightclub job to stay home and care for our new son. But he says, mm, nope. Absolutely not. My wife will work and have her own career and be independent, which I'm like, you just kind of erase that by demanding that she do what (laughs) she doesn't want to do. But okay. I demand you be independent. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So 
not great. Um, so she's like, okay. So she really struggles with like being a mom, raising the kids by herself mostly because he's, you know, working crazy long hours and uh, working at the same time because her, her husband forced her to. Um, so that's good. Uh, she reluctantly goes back to work. And meanwhile, Fred kind of hits like a financial ceiling, he feels like, and he wants to make the big bucks. And he's like, I need to kind of change career paths. So what he does is he leaves prosecution to open his own law practice and begins working as a criminal defense attorney, which means he's now protecting the people that he used to put away, if that makes sense. Got it. Yes. So a lot of these people were like big-time drug dealers of the time, um, other criminals in the area. And around this time, Fred decides to install an office in the basement of their home. And he tells Sarah, you are not allowed to go in there. But be independent and make your own choices. (laughs) That's so hot when you decide things for yourself. But don't you fucking disobey me. Don't you step one foot in my office. So that's really nice. Um, By 1988, Fred is already, like, a big shot. He has been appointed a part-time judge, mostly because he has, like, government connections, like, through friends. It's just pretty wild. Um, And Sarah, at this point, becomes pregnant with their second child, a boy they named Mike. And uh, so this, like, the 80s were... What? I think we all thought Michael. Mike. Oh! (laughs) He's here. Oh, God. I need to stop joking about that. I'm going to be so scared when I'm home alone. It's going to be so funny when he, like, jumps on the bed later or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which he did last night. We forgot to mention that. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I was, like, everything kind of was over, and we were like, okay, we fly out tomorrow. And I was just watching my iPad in my room. I should have known about the iPad. But I was watching the iPad in my room and just, like, watching Netflix. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, Junie's here. Like, my cat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he jumped. And then I, lo- I was like, wait, that can't be right. Something just like, bam, landed on my legs. And I was like, mm, good night. And I put on my cat mask and went to sleep. <laughs> so I didn't love that. But here we are. So You do the exact opposite whenever something happens yes. to you where you're like, I'm going to put on a sleep mask so I can see even less of what's about to happen. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, like... And Em's like, here, I'm going to take pic- selfies. Will you be in them? And I'm like, stop doing that, you crazy person. Do it for the gram. Oh. What up? How well has that worked out for you so far? Not yet. One not, day, though. Not yet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, there's another kid. Let's not talk about his name. Okay, so new laws are... So this is the 80s in Atlanta. I bet you it was a wild time. Um, yes, you guys were there. Okay. So, new laws were being put into place to help curb the illegal drug trade in and around Atlanta. And uh, this actually really hurt business at local nightclubs, you know, for obvious reasons. So, Sarah lost her job. And uh, she was actually, like, kind of happy. She's like, you know what? This is probably meant to be. I do want to stay home with the kids. But Fred was pissed. And it was not her fault, obviously. But he was just not happy with her being home to raise the kids. I don't know why. But he started to become just a very, very bad man. So uh, he grew increasingly distant, and Sarah began to realize, like, this is not what I expected. This is not, like, the family life I wanted. But she didn't know exactly how bad it actually was at this point. So Congress had passed these, like, money laundering laws that were tracing the movement of large sums of cash that were, uh, you know, I know law. 
I studied law, you know. I promise I'm somewhat educated. Okay. And English is your second language. That's so. correct. That used to be a rule in the game. We should probably reinstitute that. You guys have been listening that. to a lot of old live shows to know Woo! the old drinking games. We appreciate that. Um, right. So uh, this is what happens when I try to go off script. Like I wrote a very coherent sentence and then I'm like, I'll explain it. It doesn't work. So basically uh, they were, tra- the government was tracking uh, illicit drug sales and Fred his job at this point literally was teaching drug dealers how to circumvent the laws and helping them move large amounts of money into offshore accounts so the IRS couldn't trace them. Um, and he basically stepped into, fully stepped into the criminal world. And at this point, Sarah was like, he's probably doing some shady shit, but she didn't realize quite how bad it was. She's like, it might be fine. Who knows? It might, it be, might fine. be okay. Please, God, let it be fine. It was not. Uh, spoiler alert. Okay. So one day, here's an example. Their oldest son, whose name is Ricky, uh, was pl- he was three at this point, was playing around in the family car when he discovers a pistol under the floorboard of the passenger seat. So he walks up to his mom and says, Mommy, what's this? That's good. Uh, yeah, and she was like, things are getting out of hand. My suspicions were true. Um, I don't think we should be married anymore. So... She's like, I want a divorce. And Fred says, mm, nope. You can't do that. You are an independent woman, and you <laughs> cannot do that. And you deserve your freedom with me. Yes. Yeah. But not in my office. <laughs> so he says, if you try and leave me, I will take everything, including the children, and you will never see them again. And so, you know, a dick, yes, correct. That is, that is exactly how I would put it. Um, and considering how high profile he is uh, and all the people he knows, including like the government, local government and cops and also the criminal side of things, she's like, well, I probably can't fight him um, and I don't want to lose my kids. So she backs down for now. But she's also kind of like, I'm going to keep my eye open for anything that can kind of be an out of the marriage. Got it. So uh, Fred takes a turn for the worse at this point and he tight. So after she asks for a divorce, he becomes even more abusive. He um, tightens his control over her, puts her on an extremely tight budget. Uh, the budget was $400 a week, which seems like okay, but at the, he expected her to pay all the household bills, food, everything for the children, medical bills, etc., on that $400 a week. Uh, and just in case, I know, trust me, it's bad. He also demanded she bring home receipts to prove what she had purchased. I know. It's crazy. This guy's very bad. Yes. Yes, the subject of the subject of my true crime story is not a good guy. So, in case anyone was wondering, yeah, he sucks. Anyway, So he also started to insist that all expenses be paid only in cash from now on, which obviously made her even more wary that something was going on. And if she ever ran out of money, he'd be like, too bad. Uh, Doesn't matter. If she needed to go to the dentist, for example, that was one of the examples, he just wouldn't give her the money for it. Oh, Um, Buying the kids school supplies, they wouldn't be able to do that either. Uh, And they were living in like a beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood. Like it wasn't like they didn't have the money. It was just, that's how he controlled her. Um, There were like repairs of the house that he wouldn't allow her to do. Uh, And so another sign of abuse is that Fred began preventing Sarah from seeing her family. Uh, 
He was trying to separate her. Boo, boo. Firm pass. There's, there's like some part of me that when like hundreds of people start booing, I'm like, oh no. But I agree with you on this one. Yes. I know, I know. You guys are, I'm with you. I'm on the same side for sure. Um, so her, par- her family lived in Florida at this point, and she was very, very close to her parents and her siblings. And so sometimes she would just insist on going anyway. It was about a nine-hour drive, but he would refuse to give her money for gas or a hotel. So she would make the nine-hour drive with the kids and the dog, not able to stop, not able to get gas, just like full tank and book it down there. Um, and then sometimes when she got there, Fred was already there because he had taken a plane. <laughs> He's such an asshole. What a piece of shit. He is such a piece of shit. Yeah, he's a bad man. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not good. And also, it, like, every time she would go to Florida, she would drive there, and he would never go with them. Like, he would always, he would always be there, but he would always fly in um, on his own. So it's just like, bleh. He also became physically abusive at this point, which is testif- So she tried to keep this as quiet as possible, um, but several people have testified that, like, she had, you know, confided in them, and she had written in her journal, and it wasn't good. I feel like you're kind of weaning into that already when you, like, yeah. say, oh, you can't go to the dentist. You should just have, like, a fucked up tooth. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's like, you're, like, you want your, you want, like, you don't mind the pain, like, your wife's in pain and stuff. It's like, just live with it. It's already, yeah, it's already, it's already weaning into trouble. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's around this time that the phone at the house starts ringing. And whenever Sarah picks up, the caller would just hang up. And at this point, Sarah's like, Fred's having an affair. And, uh, you know, she's upset because it's just like a hurtful thing. But also she's like, this is a way out, potentially. Like, if I catch him in this, I could probably use this as a way out of the marriage. So what she does is she hires a private investigator. Mm. So the PI, yeah, get him, love it. She sticks a PI on him. So the PI does catch Fred with another woman, but Fred like sees him out the window, which I'm like, and the PI was investigated in this interview and I'm like, I'm not like blaming you, but I'm just like. Isn't your job to to know how to like be sneaky? So Fred immediately is like, that guy's watching me, and calls one of his cop friends and is like, get rid of him. So the cop friend comes and is like, you need to leave. Um, But that kind of gave uh, Sarah the information she needed. He was having an affair. So she goes to him again and says, okay, I really want a divorce this time. But she gets the same story back. I'm a judge, an attorney. I'm in with the police. If you even try to get a divorce, I'm taking the boys away from you. And you can't win, basically. So, I mean, the reason he was so caught up in, like, not allowing this divorce is that he knows if they go through with it, all of his paperwork will be released. Like, Got go, it. You know, okay. Yes, that um, makes sense. Everything will be, you know. I see, yeah. Rifled through. It's a legal thing. Don't worry about it. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, all of his shady, deal- shady dealings and shit, he was like, I don't need that to be, you know, surfaced. So, You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Dear God. We were saying last night, we were like, we haven't done this since May. This is very, like, startling. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, too. Thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for being patient with me and my advanced legal knowledge. Okay. So basically he refuses her a divorce for the second time. And at this point she's like, fuck it. I'm divorcing you and I'm going to find a way out. So she goes dun, dun, dun into the private basement office. Ooh. She's coming in hot, breaking in all the rules. She, she somehow, like in every article I read, it was like, she somehow finds the combination to his safe. And I was like, I need to know that part. We don't know that part, but she somehow finds a combination and gets into his safe. She finds paperwork with obviously all sorts of shady business dealings, evidence of like massive amounts of money laundering, as well as several vials of what appear to be both illicit drugs and prescription medications. Like basically everything illegal you could do just kind of like wrapped up in a nice little safe. Um, and, oh, this is so fucked up. She finds all these accounts of his for hundreds of thousands of dollars that he's keeping in offshore bank accounts. And meanwhile, she's living on like $400 a week and doesn't realize they have like hundreds of thousands of dollars just stored away. So she calls the PI guy and she's like, here, I have this paperwork. You should look at it. And he's like, actually it's like extremely illegal for me to go through like stolen paperwork so you should probably go to the police and Sarah is pissed she's like I wanted you to help me with this and he's like I can't it's not legal I don't feel comfortable with it like you should go to the police or someone you trust and they actually had a huge falling out over this never spoke again Uh, the last thing Sarah ever told him was that if anything ever happened to her he should turn his investigation of Fred over to the police At this point, he's like, she's just being dramatic. You know women. Um, (laughs) You know. You know how it goes. You know. You know. Women. You know. Just fucking amazing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Me, not him. Oh, M. Thank you for the compliment. You're welcome. Um, You're amazing. You're just amazing. Yeah. I don't love that you said it in that stupid voice. And so funny. So funny. Every time you talk, I'm like, ha, ah. ha, That's very mean. I'm just kidding. You're great. I have anxiety. Do I have to tell you too? God. Damn. Okay. So yada, yada, yada. The guy's like, I can't do this, like, yada, yada. And she's like, well, if anything ever happens to me, you should turn this in the police or turn your uh, investigation of the affair into the police, etc. So when her second son was four months old, Sarah secretly hand wrote a new will. Um, she went as far as to have two witnesses sign it and she had it notarized. And in the will, she left all her property to her two sons. And she named one of her sisters the executor and the other sister as the children's guardian, quote... If my husband does not survive me, but she refused to put his name in the will. It was just my, if my husband does not survive me. So she left Fred nothing, but, uh, I know we're all super excited, but it's not good because she did not know at this point that Fred had taken out three life insurance policies on her totaling $1.75 million dollars. Uh, obviously all naming him as the primary beneficiary um, in the event of her death. And if you're wondering, like, how on earth did he get a $1.75 million policy on his, like, young, healthy wife? Yeah. Um, he sold insurance on the side, so he sold them to himself. 
Get he, out. No Lex way. Lex sold his, the policies from his own company to himself. Oh, my um, God. I know. So, no, it's not legal. None of this is legal. Especially the murder that I assume happens. <laughs> Spoilers. Okay. So, as we know, Fred at this point is, like, really deeply enmeshed in local government on the one hand and then, like, criminal rings on the other hand. Um, so he kind of could do whatever he wanted and find his way out of it or find someone to cover for him. Um, what Sarah didn't know at this point is that the FBI had actually already kind of caught on to what he was doing. And they had already started looking into his schemes, which at this point involved coaching drug dealers to use nightclubs as fronts for moving large sums of drug money. So he's very involved with that. Uh, police were turning up the heat on him at this point, and he knew it. Um, and Sarah, like, kind of at this point gave up on trying to fight him. She was like, you know what? I'm unhappy, but, like, I need to save up some money first before I can, you know, try to get out of here. Uh, so she was kind of uneasy about, you know, she knew Fred had shady dealings and clientele, but um, he refused to allow her to install an alarm system, obviously, or uh, refused to allow her to fix the broken lock on the sliding glass door. Yeah, that's a very specific thing. That we should all remember? Okay. Maybe. Noted. Um, In an attempt to, like, create some normalcy in her life and, like, distract from her unhappy marriage, she started volunteering at her son's school and, like, she visited her family much more often. In November of 92, she and the boys drove down to Florida to spend Thanksgiving with her family. And, of course, Fred showed up. But he left a day early to meet a client in Alabama. On the 29th, Sarah and her son decided to head back to Atlanta. So they get in the car. Um, it's kind of... So her plan was to come back to, the, to see her family at, at Christmas. So less than a month away. And when they were leaving, they kind of had a tradition of going outside to wave goodbye. And this time they were all singing, I'll be home for Christmas. And she left the house. And that was the last time her family would ever see her again. So they drove all the way back because, you know, she's not allowed to get gas and stuff. Um, Nine-hour drive. She arrived home around 10 p.m., and as they parked in the garage, a man stepped out from inside the house into the garage uh, holding a sawed-off shotgun. He forced them back into the car and ordered her to drive. Her two boys were in the back. Uh, she drove for a bit, and at a certain point, she began to refuse his instructions because she's like, I see what's going on here. Like, you probably have some involvement with my husband. Like, don't hurt my kids. So there were, like, conflicting stories about this. But he essentially told her, like, no, you need to turn down this cul-de-sac. And she just kind of, like, turned the opposite way or was trying to get back to town. And he shot her point blank in the back of the head with his shotgun Um, And the car skidded off the road. He jumped out and just fucking booked it and ran. And uh, the two boys are still in the back seat. So Ricky, who was six, turned off the car and tried to wake his mom up. I know. It's really bad. And he was actually interviewed in the show, which was really interesting because they're in their 30s now. And he was... um, he was like, yeah, I tried to wake her up, and the, um, the second I realized she wasn't going to wake up, he unbuckled his brother, and they just started running. So they ran to a house that had, they found the house with the nearest light on, remember it's like nighttime, and they just started banging on this door, and the family opened the door, and Ricky just said, a bad man hurt my mommy. And so, of course, they bring them inside, and he says, you need to call my grandpa because my grandpa's a doctor and can help my mom get better, which is just like, 
so Jesus, tragic. That's so sad. So Mike, the younger one, remembers thinking, if only my dad had been there, he would have saved the day because their dad was their hero. Twist the knife. Wow. wow. Police obviously immediately investigate their home. Uh, they notice the unlocked sliding glass door. They're like, obviously, that's where he came in. Um, and there was some jewelry kind of scattered around, but it was pretty obvious to the police that it was not a burglary. Like, all the electronics were still there, and it looked very staged. And they were like, this was a planned assassination. Woof. Um, the, actually, the oldest son uh, was interviewed, and they said at the time he was six, and they asked, you know, who was it that hurt your mom? And he said... Uh, it was a thin black male with a pirate gun. And so that's how they figured out it was kind of like a sawed-off shotgun. And that matched the later description. So Fred is interviewed, and he's like, you can like hear it in the episode, he's like wailing and blubbering and just shouting. And like, my son's watched it. And I'm like, you fucking asshole. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. What is wrong with you? So they ask if he has any clients who might have targeted his family. And he's like, no, I can't think of anyone that would hurt my family. Um, But then Sarah's sister, Chrissy, comes forward with some shocking information. She has copies of the documents Sarah found in Fred's safe three years earlier. Dun-dun-dun! It turns out Sarah had copied all the documents, given them to her sister, and said, if anything ever happens to me, take these to the police immediately. Smart. Smart. You know women. You know women. You know. So fucking dramatic. So, obviously the police are like, holy shit, okay, we think we know where this is going. Um, well, so, but police and FBI are already trying to dig through all of, like, his crazy money laundering schemes and shit. And so while that's going on, Sarah's family offers a $50,000 reward for any new information Um, Police get a call from a woman named Tuesday Rower who told them that her brother, Curtis, was the one who killed Sarah. Police, which I'm like, you just threw your brother under the bus for, I mean, 50 grand. Okay, I guess I get it. (laughs) Sorry, Zandy. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Police track Curtis down. He's found hiding under his bed at his grandma's house. <laughs> what? Okay. That's also not relevant, but I, you needed to know. Okay. <laughs> um, during his police interview, he calls his mom uh, <laughs> and asks, what should I do? And his mom says, tell them the truth. So he does. He admits that he shot Sarah Tokers in the head in her car. Um, but he says, there's more to it. I was hired by a man named Eddie Lawrence to kill her for $5,000. So then they're like, okay. yes, 5000 So this is just getting more complicated. So Eddie Lawrence is like a known criminal in the area. Um, he has all sorts of outstanding warrants. And he's uh, also happens to be a longtime client of none other than Fred Tokers. And not only was he a client, he was also one of his business partners in several con operations that the two had going on. So Eddie Lawrence claims that he had nothing to do with the murder, but police are able to hold him on an outstanding warrant. And two days later, Fred, this is so fucked up, he takes the boys down to Sarah's family, family's place in Florida for Christmas to celebrate with the family. I know. 
and uh, they catch an, uh, like a press conference, an Atlanta press conference on the TV, and detectives say, we have Eddie Lawrence and Curtis Rower in custody, and Fred freaks the fuck out and is like, oh, shit, they're probably on to me. Um, so the family the next day goes to Bush Gardens, as you do. Uh, <laughs> and Fred's like, mm, I don't feel well. I'm not going to go. So he locks himself in his hotel room, but as they're leaving, Sarah's dad just gets his feeling, his father-in-law, and he's like, I'm going to go back and like check on him. So he goes back to the hotel, couldn't get an answer, ends up calling the police who break down the door, and they find Fred unconscious, having overdosed on pills. Uh... And Sarah's dad, he's a surgeon, so he performs CPR and saves his life. It's like, what? You can't make this shit up. Twists and turns. Twists and turns. Wear your motion sickness brace. I feel like we should have an ad for that. Promo code drink. Uh, Yes. They find... So he saves his life. Oh, my God. So... Uh, next to his body, they found a suicide note saying he couldn't go any longer because the media had targeted him and had made his life too difficult to move on. But instead of drumming up sympathy, the police were like, okay, so now, like, he's definitely our guy, right? Like, we know that now. Okay, great. So, uh, literally right after this, Fred holds a dramatic press conference. He says, after ta- and you can watch it, and he's just such a slimy creepball. He says, after taking some back pain medication, he became very depressed and started to think of the lifestyle he had lost after his wife died. And this is when Sarah's family is like, wait, what? You fucking asshole? Like, our daughter just died of your wife, and you're, like, sad about your... You know, you can't really, go to the, can't really go to the country club anymore without getting a side eye, but okay. <laughs> and that's when they were like, okay, he had something to do with it. We just saved his life, I guess. Oops. Um, so police take a closer look at Fred's alibi, which at the time it seemed legit. You know, he went to a nondescript place that I won't say because everyone starts yelling. So they go to Alabama to see the client in jail who, uh, who he had visited, and the guy was like, I don't know, man. He just showed up one day and was like, hey, how are you? And then left. And, like, we hadn't planned it. He just kind of showed up to make an alibi, like, oh, hello, Got I'm it. here. Okay, how yeah. you doing? And then just left. And um, so that's not good. They're getting very suspicious. Let's see. That's when police find out about the insurance policies. The motive, a.k.a. Uh, And some of these policies were taken out only weeks before Sarah's death. So it's like, Got it. Not looking good. Not looking good. So they're like, well, the only way we can pin it on him is if we get this Eddie Lawrence guy to break and tell us what happened. So Eddie had lawyered up, obviously, and his attorneys were like, listen, just tell them what Fran said and then you'll evade the death penalty. So, like, just fuck it. Like, throw him under the bus. And Eddie's like, okay, sure. (laughs) So. Okay. Okay. He tells prosecutors that Fred approached him about killing Sarah in the summer of 1992, which was several months before her murder. Okay. He, Fred knew that she had found out about their, like, businesses and, quote, unquote, and he claimed that she would destroy both of them. And Eddie said, why don't you just pay her off and, like, get divorced and move on? That's all she wants. And he's right. like, nope, we have to silence her for good. What is his problem? Okay. Uh, a lot of things. The problem was Eddie owed Fred 
So Fred was like, well, if you want me to erase that debt, you've got to go in with this, on this plan with me. So he's like, sure, I'll do the plan, but I'm not going to kill your wife. Like, he didn't tell him that. He just was like, sure, I'll do the plan. And then he turned around and went, hmm, so who's going to murder Sarah? It's not me. <laughs> he, like, looked to the camera and was like, it's not going to be me, yeah. though. <laughs> Wink. So he asked around. How confident <laughs> must you be that you're like, hey, stranger, real quick. <laughs> just a quick question. Doing a poll. Doing a quick doing a quick Gallup poll. Okay. He's like, uh, I'm going to find a guy who could do the job for me. And his secretary, a woman named Tuesday Rower, said, hey, my brother Curtis might be into that. So she literally was the one who's like, oh, talk to Curtis. And then when it happened, she's like, hmm, $50,000 reward. Curtis did it. (laughs) Which I'm like, he's a murderer. So yeah. What the Okay, so apparently all sorts of people know about this plan uh, before it even happened, and obviously Fred's plan was just to tell Eddie and have Eddie do it. He didn't know that Eddie was going to go around and, like, tell his secretary and tell his secretary's brother and, you know, yada, yada. Um, So basically Curtis was hired to kill her for $5,000, and Eddie didn't tell Fred about that. Uh, so, Cobb County Police and the FBI obtain a joint warrant. Yay, police! Um, they, they know the clock is ticking because, considering his recent suicide attempt, and he has custody of the two boys, they're like, we just need to, like, nip this in the bud and make sure nothing happens and keep the boys safe. So, Rick was six at the time, and he says he remembers FBI swarming the house. He said he was crying and just shouting, please don't arrest my dad, because he didn't know, obviously, what was happening. Poor, like, the poor boys did not have any clue about what was going on, you know. But uh, Ricky and his brother, Mike, are taken into custody. They're taken to state, not custody. Oh, God. I put the wrong thing. (laughs) I put that the six-year-old was taken into custody. (laughs) Um, No, Fred is taken into custody, and the boys are taken to safety. And uh, they ended up in the custody, there it is, the custody of Sarah's family. So... They're finally safe. It was really great. It was really great because they interviewed Sarah's sister, and she just, like, burst into tears. She's like, the second we got them, like, in the house, we were like, we don't even care anymore what happens. Like, we just wanted the boys out of there. So it was really good. So they're safe. All is well with them. Uh, three years later, Fred finally goes to trial, and despite all his, you know, power and spr- the spruce, you know, that... <laughs> Despite all his power and charm. There it is. And sway within the legal system. Uh, He is found guilty and he is sentenced to life in prison for his wife's murder. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, Curtis Rower, um, the one who who shot her, was sentenced to life without parole. And Eddie Lawrence, who was just like... Mm, I'll do it, but I'm not going to, I guess, Uh, is still in prison, and he is currently eligible for parole, so we'll see. So here's a weird twist. According to AJC News, over the last decade, Fred Tokars has helped solve six murders because basically he's just ratting everyone out that he knew, like, before. (laughs) Are we surprised? No. Uh, He sent one man to death row, another to prison for life for both of them had murdered... Oh, it was actually really fucked up. They had, like, murdered their girlfriends. Um, but he had sent them to prison. 
But uh, because of this, uh, he was put into the witness protection program because he's just ratting everyone out. So, like, within prison, he's now in the witness protection program, which I guess I didn't know was a thing. Maybe I should have known that. Uh, His prosecutor uh, said he was testifying against these people so that his sons would one day learn he was capable of good. Uh, yeah. Nah. 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 According to that same article, his exact location is a closely guarded secret. Uh, He's in the witness protection program, like I said, and his name has been expunged from the prison database. According to an old friend of his, he lives alone in a cell where he watches cable TV, reads the Wall Street Journal, and sometimes calls friends to reminisce on, quote, the good old days. He's only 59, like he's still really young. So he's now 59, and he says he longs to reconnect with his sons, but his sons say they have no plans of ever speaking to their father again. And that is the story of the murder of Sarah Ambrosco. Thank you. Woof. That's a tough one. That was a rough. One. Oh, I for, there was a line in there I must have skipped, but the the older son said at one point when it when they said like he was sent to prison for life, and then they cut to uh, the older son Rick, and he was like, he should have he should have been put to death, and I was like, whoa. And then there was like a pause, and he's like, I'm just really embarrassed. We have the same genetics, and I was like, oh, wow. So. That's a good story, though. Safe to say they won't be bonding anytime soon. Right. Anyway. Well, thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Let's have a rave. You guys. That's really sweet. Lord almighty. Wow. That's really sweet. Thank you. Oh, I love you guys. This is such a good fucking audience. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, we're definitely going to come back here next time. Yeah. <laughs> I thought... Whoa. I thought you were going to say what I was going to say, which is we are definitely going to be discussing this in our hotel room yeah. later. Which is, like, very true. We're going to be telling Michael all about it. So... <laughs> Thank you so much. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.